please stand if you are able and join me in the call to worship. Rejoice in our God always. For God has gathered us together to be present now of being one with Christ. Again, I say rejoice. be seated. Good morning and welcome to Southside Baptist Church this morning to worship the one true and living God on this, the Lord's Day. We're glad that everyone is here, that those of you who've chosen to be here for you could be anywhere as especially our guest, but you chose Southside to come and be a part of worship here. And so that, uh, for that, we want to especially welcome you and to uh, also say to everyone that's gathered that it's uh, a wonderful time to be in the Lord's house today, gathered together. Southside Baptist Church is in the heart of Five Point South, building an inclusive community of grace, first in this community and, and then beyond. 
And we do that by welcoming all in to this place of worship, knowing that by the grace of God, we have been um, given a place here as individuals to be and to approach God, but also to welcome others in in the same way that we have come in. So uh, those of you who are guests with us today, we especially welcome you. We would like to have everyone sign the uh, registration tablet at the end of each pew. You'll see that. And if you would write uh, down uh, in that your name and other information that you'd like to share with us, then uh, you can tear that out and put it in the offering plate as it is received later today. Again, we are delighted that all have gathered here to, to uh, lift our voices in praise, uh, in worship, and in thanksgiving. We also want to welcome one another in the name of the Lord by passing the peace of Christ. So if you would, please do that uh, now. As we continue in our time of worship today, it is um, a part of a part of worship is that welcoming each other in the name of Christ to pass that peace, to let everyone know that as uh, we share together that we are uh, part of the of Christ Church that extends far beyond these walls and into the world. So as we uh, settle our minds and spirits and focus on that which is um, our time of worship and prayer. May we do so in, in a prayer now as we come before the Lord. Oh Lord, we ask today that you would calm our spirits. May we be able to focus entirely on you and though our spirit be calm, may it be uplifted as we think of you, as we worship you. It's raw for all that we are to you in the form of prayers and thanksgiving, songs of praise, to be humbled and reverent in your presence. For you are the one true and living God. Bless this time of gathering. In your name I pray. Amen.
today is our first scripture lesson today is from the Psalter. I'm reading Psalm 42. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while men say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go with a multitude, leading the procession to the house of God, with shouts of joy and thanksgiving among the festive throng. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me, therefore I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon from the Mount Mazar. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All of your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day the Lord directs his love. At night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Here ends our first lesson of scripture. second reading is from Paul's letter to the church in Galatia in chapter 3 and reading verses 23 through 28. Now before faith came, we were imprisoned and guarded under the law until faith would be revealed. Therefore the law was our disciplinarian until Christ came, so that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer subject to a disciplinarian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. As many of you as were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male and female. For all of you are one in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord.
seated. How are you all today? Everything's good? Well, let me talk to you for just a minute. I know you learned some things in Sunday school today. Uh, did you not? Jack and Martine, y'all both there, right? Now, these two might have been a little bit uh, distracted today, Martine and Jack, because it's a special day. It's their birthday, both of them, on the same day. So we wish you a happy birthday. I know that you did in Sunday school, too. But I also want to talk to you. It's sort of special today, right? It's your birthday. You know, I read of someone who had traveled all over the world and touched, had tried to touch people that were perceived to be important. At least they were popular. They were sort of people that, that were in the news or in movies or whatever. And this particular person had a list of all those people they had actually touched. Now, we think about it and about touching people or that might have some kind of significance to you. Oftentimes, what people do is not only touch them, what do they ask for? They ask for something else. Can I have your autograph? Get an autograph, maybe, signature? And they take that with them and they collect those because there's something special to them about being in that person's presence. You know, there's a story in the Bible about Jesus and about a lady who was sick, and she knew that if she could just touch a little bit of the, the hem on the garment Jesus was wearing, that she would be made well. She had faith that if she just touches that, she would be made well. Now, it wasn't because he was all that popular. He was becoming more popular, but it wasn't that. What was it that she, why did she believe that? What do you think? What do you think it was about touching that that she thought would heal her? He performed miracles. They had seen that. They heard him teach. They knew all about that. But if they could just touch that, it would make her well. You know, the, the truth is that Jesus is special. He is one that we all want to, to be able to be close to. If we were on the earth, we'd want to be close to Jesus because of who he was. But he is also with us now in his spirit. He is here with us and... Not only that, but every one of us and everyone out there are also special. Now, why is that? That's real loud. Tell me. We're all different and unique. We're all different and unique, but what? Does Dr. Roxborough just read about that, that even though we're different and unique, we're one in Christ because we're all created in his image. We're all created to be like him, to be able to communicate with him. Now, in New York, you might see a lot of popular people, but there's no one there more popular than Jesus today. No, there's no one more popular than him. And no more important. Mm -hmm. But yet, everyone that we see on the street, mm -hmm. everyone we see in houses of worship, everyone we see in businesses, everyone is created in God's image and God loves them. We're reminded of that through our Sunday school lesson today too. God loves all, everyone. And as we seek to understand him, we know that we are all bound to him through his spirit. You know, that's an amazing thing that God cares so much for us. He also says to us, I want you to care for each other 
the way I have cared for you. Now, is that very hard? Is that hard for us to do? It's hard, is it us? It's hard to love our brothers and our sisters and our own families the way Jesus loved us or loves us. And then when you go outside of your family, it's very hard to love everyone the way Jesus did. But he demonstrated for us that what we are to do in life, because he has given his life for us, then what are we supposed to do? To love others as, as he has that's correct. Love others as he has loved us. And to remember that every person we meet, every single person is unique in his sight. And that we're all one together in him, in Jesus Christ who has saved us. For that we can give thanks and we can trust and have hope and faith in the future. So let's, give a, uh, let's offer a prayer, thanking God for his presence with us and his continual walk with us daily. Lord, bless these children, but also bless all of us as children as we seek to walk and follow in your steps, but also as we seek to love others as you've loved us, to look beyond any division that we might have created of race, of gender, of sexual orientation, to know that as we love one another, you also have loved us in such a great and magnificent way. May we follow after you in Christ's name. As we begin our intercessory prayers this morning, I want to share with you some words from St. Teresa of Avila. Christ is no body now on earth but yours, no hands but yours, no feet but yours. Yours are the eyes through which Christ's compassion is to look out on, on his earth. Yours are the feet by which he is to go about doing good, and yours are the hands by which he is to bless us now. Shall we pray? Gracious God, we sense that our hearts can beat to the rhythm of your love. Let your assurance of forgiveness bring us true peace offered by Jesus to all who believe. Let the very stones of this church, the colored glass, the swelling crescendos of the organ, the voices of choir and congregation join to bless your wonderful name. Help us to be ambitious and hopeful for the future of your church and its place within our community, and also in other communities throughout this city and beyond. We pray for the church in the wider world. May it become more and more one, even as you are one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Help us to learn from Christians in other countries, as they might also learn from us. Bless those in parts of the world where the church is growing, we thank you for the work of your spirit. In countries, we pray where Christians may be persecuted, discriminated against. We pray that their members and leaders may be protected and they may know your presence and our practical support. We give thanks for the witness of sisters and brothers throughout the world. And we pray for a growing love and respect where different churches have 
differences in teaching and understanding of the faith, may yet the world see the unity of your spirit amongst your people, and thus may come to believe. In the silence of these moments of prayer, we name before you this morning those we hold dear who are suffering. For those who are seeking to cope with difficult circumstances in their daily lives. For those who have lost hope and even longing for change. We long for the coming of your kingdom, for a new order of things which will see sorrow transformed into unending joy and your church united in singing your unending praise. It is for this and other things that we pray through our Savior, Jesus Christ.
unserem Leben. In the summer of 1973, my father and I went for five days to the Lake District in England. We went to what was called the Keswick Convention. The convention began in 1875 for the deepening of spiritual life. 20 years before, apparently, although I don't remember it very much, we went as a whole family, we went camping, and we went to various meetings for children, youth, and adults. 1973 would be a significant year for me because it was there at that convention that I sensed a call to pastoral ministry, and I left my job in the Royal Bank of Scotland and traveled to London to attend theological college, and eventually became a Baptist minister in Scotland. The convention was started by an Anglican rector in what was really a very small town in the Lake District. And it was to be a, an ecumenical gathering of Christians who were Anglican, Presbyterian, Baptist, Methodist, and from this, that, and other denominations. The meeting took place in two large marquee tents which held many hundreds of people. And one of the things I remember was a banner that was above each of the tents, and it simply said, all one in Christ Jesus. I'm pretty certain you've noticed that we live in a divided world and often a divided church, north and south. My own country in Britain is torn apart at the moment with something called Brexit. You may have come across it. Are you a remainer or a leaver from the European Union? And then, are you conservative or liberal? Are you Democrat or Republican, Baptist, Methodist, Protestant, Catholic, Southern Baptist Convention, Cooperative Baptist Fellowship? Has it always been like this? In what has often been described as the Galatian Manifesto, Paul makes a remarkable declaration. He says, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, there is neither slave or free, there is neither male nor female, for we are all one in Christ Jesus. Way back in the 18th century, the founder of Methodism, John Wesley, said it in this way. Speaking of those who, even within his own grouping, were sometimes opposed to what he said and did, Wesley simply said, if your heart is as my heart, give me your hand. He said, I do not mean be of my opinion. You need not. I do not expect it or desire it. Neither do I mean I will be of your opinion. I cannot keep your opinion. I will keep mine, and as steadily as ever. You do not need to endeavor to come over fully persuaded into my camp. Only give me your hand. We must act, he said, as if each of us is fully persuaded in their own mind about a variety of different issues. Let all the smaller points stand aside. If your heart is as my heart, if you love God and others, I ask no more. Simply give me your hand. All one in Christ Jesus. The life of the church, however, throughout the world is a sharp reminder of the pain and the division that we often find within the church of Christ. And yet we share so much in common. Over the past few Sundays, we've celebrated Trinity Sunday, our common faith in one God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We share the same outpouring of the love of God into our hearts through the gift of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. If our hearts know God, if our hearts are right, 
If our hearts are the same, then we extend hands and we extend the love of God to one another. God's movement is a renewing movement. It's always going from one to another, a transforming movement of inclusiveness. The world so often tells us who's in and who's out. But the good news of others' love within the life of the church is that God goes out of himself to bring others into fellowship with him. And God wants us to say yes to that movement of his grace. Now, God will often challenge our apathy about these matters. He disturbs our consciences to be concerned about issues of the unity of God's people. I mean, Jesus actually prayed that we might be one. He actually said, by this shall all people know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. It was Jesus that said that. It must have been important. So the church is a community which is committed at its core, but open as its edges, always thinking about the needs of others, always being inclusive, always welcoming by grace. I heard a speaker at the CBF on Friday night speak about how uh, her grandfather, who was a Baptist pastor, seemed to make heaven small. I thought that was a remarkable way of putting it. People that want to keep heaven small. The more I thought about it, I thought they want, they want heaven to be like a, an exclusive country club rather than opening the doors of heaven to all whom God has loved. We always need to be an outward-faced community, do we not? We need to be open in the way in which we extend the love of God to others and bring the message of God's love to the last, the lost, and the least, to share the living water with those who are thirsty. As Christians, sometimes we talk about a special love that we owe, as Paul says, to those who love God, but that love should never be restricted to those who are the same as us, if you please, but always be, ex be extended to others. If you've noticed the front of the church bulletin this morning, it's a picture of various hands, various hands that are outstretched, various hands, women, men, white, black, and they're extended and they're grasping hold of each other as an expression of the unity of the people of God. I didn't grow up being a Baptist. I chose to be a Baptist at one stage in my life. I've remained a Baptist. But throughout my life, I've tried to be ecumenical, tried to recognize that people who worship God differently to the way in which I worship, who think different thoughts about theology to the way in which I think, are all part of the Church of Christ. Let me quote a little bit more of Wesley for you. Wesley said that a person with a truly Catholic spirit, ecumenical spirit, will be clearly convinced that this, about this manner of worshiping God, that it is scriptural. But she will recognize that other people have different ways of worshiping God. She will say, if your heart is as my heart, then give me your hand. Paul talks about being baptized into Christ in this passage. Baptism ought to be the sign of our unity, and yet often in the church, it's been a sign of our division. 
Communion is also another symbol of the unity of the people of God. And month by month, on the first Sunday of the month, we come forward to share with one another the bread and the wine, the memorials, the sacraments of God's grace and mercy towards us. As we explore the amazing love of God towards all people, we can only actually fully understand the love of God, as Paul puts it, in all its length and breadth and height and depth, when we recognize that that love of God has touched different people in different parts of the world, in different Christian communities. And we learn from one another what the great dimensions of God's love is actually all about. Now, Paul, in this particular passage, talks about three areas in the life of the church in the first century where there were tensions, but where he believed the barriers of religion, ethnicity, and culture were broken down, where Jew and Gentile could come together, where slave and free could worship God, where male and female were brought into the unity of the church of Jesus Christ. The tragedy is that 2,000 years later, we're still living with a disunity in many of our churches and in our country and our culture with barriers of ethnicity, race, gender, religion, sexuality that divides rather than unites. In Jesus Christ, for those who are baptized into the life of the church, the old social distinctions have been broken down, says Paul. Centuries before the Declaration of Independence, the Apostle Paul knew that all women and men were created equal, were endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. Jews and Greeks in Paul's context, African-Americans, Asia-Americans, Latinos, Anglo-Americans, in the Church of Jesus Christ in USA in the 21st century. We ask ourselves the question, how are we comparing with Paul's vision, with Paul's manifesto? What about the abolition of the distinction between slave and free? Paul's time and our own, the American Civil War ended in 1865. 99 years later, the Civil Rights Act was passed. One year later, even century after the abolition of slavery, the Voting Rights Act was passed. Where in our country, in our culture, in our churches, do we fall short of racial equality? About a decade ago, one of our African-American students at Stanford University within our religion and philosophy department went to preach in a Baptist church in rural Alabama. It was part of our Samford Sunday program where a group of students go uh, to a particular Baptist association, usually in a rural part of Alabama, and they're dropped off in various churches and then picked up again and they go somewhere centrally for lunch. Anyway, this student left the car that had transported him, waved to the driver, I'll see you later. As he made his way to the front door of the church, he was greeted by a deacon who asked why he was visiting. Sir, he replied, I've come to lead and preach in your worship service. Not here, you haven't. With no transport, denied the opportunity to preach because of the color of his skin, he sat in the congregation and waited until the service was over. What about gender? A few weeks ago, a graduate of our religion department at Sanford University, currently the president of the Southern Baptist Seminary, 
who once advocated women's ordination, now argues the very opposite, has done for some years. But he said it publicly again. He said, I think there's just something about the order of creation that means that God intends for the preaching voice to be a male voice. Now, in case we feel good about ourselves, we should remember that Southside was a church that took its time to include African-Americans in its membership, was later than others within the city to ordain women to the diaconate. Today, we seek to manifest the truth of the gospel in these areas that there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, but we live in a wider culture and a broader community, even of Baptists who don't believe those things. The culture that Paul was living in was equally divisive. The Babylonian Talmud includes a morning blessing to be recited by every Jewish man. We don't know the exact dating, whether it was earlier than Paul or later, but it summarized what was felt. They were to thank God for not creating them a Gentile, a slave, or a woman. See the culture? All one in Christ Jesus, says Paul, neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free, neither male nor female. And yet differences in ethnicity, socioeconomic status don't magically disappear. We have to work hard to seek to destroy them. Today, we often struggle with new issues that threaten, issues relating to sexuality, issues of LGBTQ, one student in my Christian theology class in the spring suggested I allowed culture to determine how I interpreted scripture. I responded by saying that he was doing the exact same, but from a very different perspective. At times, some have suggested, not here, but other places, that I talk too much about grace. Let me quote John Dant, First Baptist Church, Greenville, South Carolina. I would rather stand before God one day and be told you love too much. You shared love with too many people. You were too liberal in your love and mercy and grace rather than you did not love enough. You did not love the people I loved. You withheld love from those who needed it most. All one in Christ Jesus. If your heart is as my heart, then give me your hand. Pray with me. We thank you, dear God, for the grace and the mercy and the love that you have demonstrated towards us. We thank you for grace that has been extended and we have received. Help us to share it with all around us. In Jesus' name, we sing when we Amen. It's always embarrassing when a an alarm goes off in church when it happens to the preacher just before he prays. It's even, it's even more embarrassing. <laughs> Let's sing our closing hymn, number 267, Blessed Be the Tie That Binds.
please pray with me. Our Father in heaven, we are thankful and grateful to be here in this space, in this sanctuary today, knowing that your presence is among us and that your spirit dwells within us. Bless our tithes and offerings that they may be used for your greater good. We ask in Christ's name, amen. Loving Lord, we present these tithes and offerings to you. We ask, O oh Lord, that you would bless them and multiply them, and that we would go out into the world ministering in your name, knowing that we are all one in Christ. Amen. Be seated for just a moment, and just a couple of announcements today. Uh, we do want to welcome those who are guests with us today and let you know that right after worship, we have a little reception there in the narthex, some lemonade and cookies, and get a chance to talk to you a little bit if you're uh, give us an opportunity. 
Then also, uh, just to remind you that we have no Wednesday activities or midweek activities this week um, or next, but uh, certainly not this week as we, um, as we are taking a break for the summer and some of the activities we're doing. So we will be here next Sunday, though. So plan to be here. Everyone except Dr. Roxborough will not. He is going to be in Scotland for uh, about uh, six Sundays, actually, five, five Sundays. And um, that's a relief. And, uh, but he will be there and uh, both visiting family and preaching some. And they've even invited him back to his, his last pastorate, his seventh year there. So, you know, that, that is the number of perfection. So maybe they're waiting for you to get it right, I guess. Maybe that's what it is. But uh, we're, it is good to be here. And I hope that you'll greet one another. And to know that as we go out, as we do go out in the Lord's name, that we do seek those around us. To know that God's love has been... Um, been showered down upon us, his grace, his love, his mercy, and that it is for all people, that we're all one in Christ, and that we're all loved by him, just as one another, uh, as we see each other in all other facets of life. So I hope that you will remember that as we go. Dr. Roxborough is going to come and have our benediction. As we go, may you know that the grace, the mercy, and the love of God will always be with you today, tomorrow, and all days.